So, uh, approval of minutes from July 13th. I have a, uh, a correction and, and, and maybe it's just a suggestion and a correction. Um, a suggestion to our secretary, who's, who's not here. Um, when, when, he, when the minutes are printed, it still says agenda at the top. So, it's a little confusing. I, I would uh, like to uh, have a Switch that to minutes. And the other one is um, at natural correction. Um, under the Energy Subcommittee update, um, it's noted that City Council will be reviewing reach codes in their September 9th meeting, and that's a uh, mistake. It should be the 19th. Uh, however, that did get pulled from the agenda, as I understand. Uh, but uh, our minutes should reflect the date it was. Supposed, supposed to happen. That's it. So, with those corrections, I'll move the minutes be adopted. Second. All right. Um, I'll call the roll again. It's not in the same order. <laughs> Commissioner Wiley? Yes. Commissioner Cooper? Yes. Commissioner Wilshire? I'm sorry, Commissioner Me? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Commissioner Stevenson? Oh, I'm not here. Vice Chair Palmer? Yes. And Chair? Yes. yes. The motion carried. <clears throat> Great. Um, all right, so we. We'll have an external presentation from Oscar, but it won't be until seven-ish. So we're going to move forward, and then he will be here around seven, and we'll do this. Is it coming in, or is it on video? It'll be on Zoom. Okay. Okay. So then we're on to the chair and vice chair updates. Okay. Um, one update I have is um, Ray Zadali has. Um, Retired from the commission. <laughs> resigned. He resigned, yeah. Um, 
So that means Michelle or will move to regular commissioner and we have an opening for an alternate. Yeah. Okay. And so can we donate two alternate positions? We have one alternate and one we're supposed to get from nine for nine six five. Okay. That's our other two openings. Okay. And is the one from Marin City a uh, an alternate or a, a real commission? Oh, a real commission. But not or, voting. Not voting. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the whole thing with the Marin City is not voting. Yeah. And so okay. it's, I think I think it's easier to understand saying like it's an alternate. It's easy. Like you said, yeah. like we have an alternate and a nine inches yeah. five. There's like you know, it's sort of there's commission and those two other things. Yeah. yeah. So um, the good news is we have. Thank you, Katie, for your note to Mark Moore. So Mark Moore runs a nonprofit called SUN Solar. Anyway, they do solar stuff for uh, natives, uh, native you know, locations, and. So he's got a background in energy and solar and all that stuff, and he did apply before, and so he's in line to take the alternate. Basically, if we hear back from him and he says yes. <laughs> solar Utility Network. Thank you. I couldn't remember that. Um, I have met him and uh, went to one of his events. And did you look at the one at Taylor's? I think, yeah, yeah. And I think from talking to him afterwards, I think he's very interested and he'd be good. So um, we'll, you know, we'll see what he responds. And, and basically, he's, he's a resident, obviously. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and does the city, doesn't the city council, does he have, have to be run through the city council? He goes through that, that process. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. He's technically already interviewed. So, so that means that we oh, can move did. it through quickly rather than wait for a year. Yes. Yeah. As long as it happens before December, that's our next meeting. But um, so we we are clear. He would just need to be appointed. But so it would just be a consent calendar type of thing. Yes. Yeah. He's been interviewed rather than what they've done. Rather than interviewing. Yeah. Yeah. He had had an interview with city council meeting. Mm -hmm. At the same time as Michelle, yeah. and oh, Michelle okay. was chosen because at that time we didn't have. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that guy. <laughs> yes, so that's one update. Um, I guess my only question is would we also want to be looking for someone from the Sausalito business community? Because so much of what we've been talking about is, I mean, thinking of the use and waste stuff and the outreach stuff has been around this focus on the business community. I don't think we have the luxury of. Like it's literally one time a year that city council sees people, uh, right? Okay. And at least that's that was the problem the last two years. Yeah. And, and uh, we okay. were just waiting and waiting and waiting, and I think the priority is to have a full team. Okay. Um, but then knowing that there's always roll off, I think Greg and I both turn out. If you, yeah, if I was going to bring that up too. So I'm I'm term, turning out in February or March or something. So that's one item too is that we're gonna meet also. You're sorry, what's that? I am also. Oh you your first or second term or are you first or first, 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 first. Yeah. reapply? I think I can just yeah. Yeah the, the, the city sent me a uh, they sent me something too. Okay. Request for reapply. Yeah. 
I'm, it's my second term, so I'm like off, off. Well, it's, I'm, t I don't know, I think I'm toward the end of my second term. I think I'm maybe. Uh, you were just reappointed. But I, it was in hindsight. Yeah. It was like, no, there was no, there was no one doing it. Yeah, they just so, asked me to reapply. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's sort of so a formality. We're going to lose our chair. So we're going to nominate a new chair. For, and I'm going to propose that that's for January. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't so the vice chair automatically move into it, that position? It's not automatic, but that's okay. who we're going to vice nominate. chair. Yeah. Screaming it to the hills. Exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, the point is, we 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 sort of need to pull people in, and then yeah. the, the idea though would be great idea, but like let let get get this person yeah. here that's already been interviewed. But that's rare. Okay. That like. Of the year before. 22. And yes. you still have two more years. So I've got that. Okay. So not this next year, but the year before. Year after we you were you went to the reappoint and you were added to this oh, yeah. so agenda. It was some sort of formal thing. Okay, okay. so the yeah. website just needs to be updated. Yeah, Lauren was not accurate on the website. Okay, cool. So, Kimberly, you bring up a good point, which is our interaction with the business community needs to improve in a general way. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we have to have some kind of commission. We could, but we could also have more outreach. And we'll, we'll talk about that then, yeah. because that's the topic. And we were, by the way, we were supposed to meet with the Chamber of Commerce about the election. We'll talk about this later, but okay. it, it, it didn't happen. So. Yeah, well, that, that's the burning question that has come up tonight. Yeah. Um, the mayor, not to interrupt yeah, your no, update, but the mayor said Alex might be interested in joining. Alex Shore? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. That would be another good candidate. Okay. Who's Alex? Do you want you to? You're, 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 you're grinning like a Cheshire cat. <laughs> Alex um, is very informed on microgrids. I don't know his official title and affiliation, but he's a resident of Sausalito who is operates his own sort of business and um, has informed us greatly on microgrids. And he's been working with people across the county on this. So okay. It's, yeah. So that's okay. All right. <laughs> um, Mark, you have? Uh, no, I'll, I'll wait till the interview yeah. section. Although I did want to run board member the, the 94965 is described as a liaison. Right, right, liaison, yeah. The, the 94965 liaison was the, was what David is. Yeah, what? The 94965 appointee 
is 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 an extra member. The, right. We changed but not rather than have a subcommittee for nine four nine six five. Um, just like we're in county, we were like, okay, this there's like it's just one person, so we called it liaison right. versus committee yeah, 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 yeah. in our lists. Well, I I thought that that referred to the person we're trying to recruit from Marin City. I think when that first came online, Greg, you remember it was maybe it, maybe that was maybe we called both liaison. If you go to the one, list of um, members, it yeah. says where's the well we had David was an equity equity yeah, right. 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 You're on it. Yeah. Cool. I can tell you. Uh, and, and, yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, I I have some friends over there now that I've started to talk to about this. So we'll see. Great. Great. Yeah. But in yeah. There there was a gentleman at the uh, last city council meeting that I watched that from from Marine City who was suggesting more events take place, more Marine City events. Or more city people get invited to Sausalito events rather than having events in Marin City just for Marin City people. They, so I, I don't know that person's name, but. Uh, and I think there's, I mean, there's a ton, ton of co-activities like what the events team is like. There's so much more interaction and relationships being built, and, it, and it, when we this first came up. There was no collaboration with any events. I mean, no one knew anybody. We right. remember we were like, does right. anyone know right. anyone we can call? And, and then we have these weird cold calls for like, you're like, you want us to do what? Because we don't. And so we said, like, let's go meet some friends and yeah, start yeah. talking yeah. about sustainability. Yeah. So those are those um, those conversations are happening. Did, did anything ever happen with? Um, the school district coming on to a possible grant that you were putting together? No, I requested a meeting with them. And with, the supervisor, with the superintendent? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think it was bad timing with her just starting mm -hmm. and the school year just starting. Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually end up making that connection, but we still moved forward with the grant, which I will talk about later. Great. Um, so. Get your connections. Thank you for trying. <laughs> I have the name of her scheduling assistant, right, so I can bug him. Right now, they've got teachers about ready to go out on strike, so maybe hold off until yes. that until that gets settled. But I, I think anyway, that's another discussion. Sorry. Uh, okay, so Mark, no, no, you're good. I'm, I'm done. Okay. Katie. All right, I have five updates for you. <laughs> At the risk of telling you too much. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I'll pause after every update <laughs> for any questions or comments. Um, so for we got rid of the sea level rise 
task force and that I've basically absorbed that. Um, for, so for that update, um, just to remind you guys, the city issued a $450,000 request for proposals for sea level rise adaptation planning and fit a separate um, but related to $50,000 RFP for, for community engagement related to that sea level rise adaptation planning. We released that in July. In August, we got responses and we are currently evaluating them. Uh, we hope to have final bidders selected uh, in late September and take to city council for approval in October and begin work hopefully in November. Well, that's pretty. That's quick. Quick, 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 quick. Yeah. Isn't that the, for both RFPs? Both RFPs. And, yes. and sorry, the RFPs again and for what and what? The sea level rise adaptation planning. So there's one RFP, the 450K for a technical and design team, like a mm -hmm. ESA. Um, and there's a $50,000 proposal for community engagement associated with that. Is that, is that community engagement, is that just for Sausalito or also Sausalito Marine City? So, so the whole RFP is scoped just for Sausalito, um, but I'm sure among community engagement circles, maybe there will be some overlap and I would love to have some attendance and by my city folks as well in some of those meetings. Yeah, that's exactly the type of thing we said we share sure, so we should be teaming on things like that. Yes. I mean, I get it when the city, when it's an infrastructure-based thing where, like, the county isn't willing to pay, like, what are you going to do, but from the education point. So that's the sea level rise update. Uh, could I ask you a question? Yes. Could you repeat the selection dates or uh, what you just said about when the uh, selection is expected? And yeah. Um, so we're reviewing bids right now. We hope to have selected a candidate by the end of September and take it take that candidate for to city council for approval in October and begin work in November. Rock Thank and roll. You. And if I could interrupt one more time. Yeah. Um, since Nick's not here, we didn't designate a, or Nick didn't ask me to take notes or be secretary. Should, uh, uh, he asked me if he was still able to do the meeting minutes, even though he's not here. Okay. I checked with the city clerk and the city clerk said there's no problem with that. So by, by looking at the recording? Yes. Okay, great. Um, so I imagine that was his intention. Right. Good. Um, but I have all of this ran down for my update, so I can send that over. Did you hear from Nick? Did you hear from Nick? Oh, no, but I can cover it. Well, he was going to send us a recording. I can cover it. I don't know. Sorry, sorry, Katie, keep going. That's okay. All right, second update. Uh, the Outreach Subcommittee and I have been working with Bay Area SunShares, a nonprofit that provides solar discounts on pre-vetted installers for the month of September to November each year. Uh, the program just started. It's only been going now for two weeks, uh, but I checked the, the, the yeah. progress diagram. Sausalito has two households yes. signed up for solar and battery, and one household signed up for just solar. Sorry if I stole your thunder. No, 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 no. I was excited. I saw the update today and I was like, oh, we have a piece of the pie there. Yes. I was like, perfect timing. Um, That's great. 
So the subcommittee and I will talk about our outreach efforts more in depth. Um, but if you know anybody who's interested in solar, as you know, I'm sure you're already getting, please spread the word. Yeah. And um, what what subcommittee is that? The outreach subcommittee. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Moving on. <laughs> uh, in our last meeting, um, we provided an update on Will Band's government water heater upgrade program. Um, so hopefully you remember that. If not, I can give more background. But since then, we've had Will Band uh, evaluate and inspect City Hall and the MLK building. The results of the inspection yielded that both buildings would be eligible for upgrades to heat pump water heaters. And we are shortlisted to get heat pump water heaters installed in late 2023, maybe, um, or early 2024. Uh, we're just waiting on a draft public participation agreement from Wildan. We've received a draft, but we haven't received their final package of it. Um, and when we get that, we will take it to the city council, hopefully in October. Great. Very exciting. When you say when you say MLK, do you mean MLK school or MLK? Uh, um, the MLK building off of Coloma. So that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I should have included this estimate from them, and it seems like it will save the city just in installation and um, installation and physical water heaters, um, $80,000. So I think city council will enjoy seeing that. That's great. Is there more than one water heater per building? Yeah, I think I have the list. I can send it to you. I think there's two in this building, which I don't we never got hot water in here, so I don't know where it goes. Um, <laughs> and I think there's like four in the MLK building. Great. So, so the 80,000 saving is on the install. Is it one-time savings or is that annual cost it, savings? That's just a one-time savings. That doesn't um, include presumed cost savings on PG&E bills. Okay. Like a payback. So the savings is, is uh, a, a grant? I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on the details of it, but as far as I know, PG&E gave money to this company, Wilban, like an engineering firm, and Wilban is offering government upgrades to right. heat pump water heaters. So it's, it's not competitive. We just have to say, like, hey, we want this and get them on site, and like we did and evaluated and accept a proposal. And so they're proud taking advantage of rebates somehow and passing that on. So Presumably, yeah. I'm not getting really deep weeds of it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're excited about that. That's great. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, fourth update. <laughs> The mayor, Greg, and I have been working on a $201,000 grant application for the Strategic Growth Council's Climate Resilient Community Grant Program um, to plan for upgrades necessary to make City Hall and the MLK building a net zero resilience hub or a microgrid, whatever you want to call it. Um, activities under the grant so under that $201,000 that we're asking for, 
would include an engineering feasibility assessment for both buildings, electricity audits, um, community resilience trainings that would be offered through the Southern Marin Fire District, and um, just general community engagement and community building. The, the proposal really has a big emphasis on community building and community engagement, so that's um, a fair, fair portion of the ask. Um, yeah, if we get this grant, we will be conducting a lot of community engagement and would ask commissioners to be involved in this, most likely, um, and would be looping in the Disaster Preparedness Committee as well. Um, I was working on the grant today, and it's 99% complete. We're just waiting on a letter of support from Huffman, I think. Yeah, um, Melissa said that was coming. Who she probably told me. Yeah. Who's, yes. who's the grant for? The Strategic Growth Council. So it's um, it's, it's a California state. Yeah. Agency. Is it part of the California Natural Resources? No, no, it's 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 weirdly separate. Yeah. But they have the governor's the budgets. They put a lot of grant money through them. So, but again, this is precisely those city limits. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the MLK building, which is I mean pretty close to Marin City, yeah. um, and it's the most falling apart derelict building you can imagine. Yeah. I'm over there every day, so I know. Okay. <laughs> there you go. But the, the intent would be that it would serve Marine City people in in the case of needing a resilience location. So, like in the case of an emergency, yeah. community emergency, yes. it would also serve those same locations. Yeah. Yes. yeah so, I, ideally, the community engagement would also work with Marine City, looping um, them if we get it. All right. You know the timing on when we when they make the yeah. I'm guessing it's going to be a while. I, I would, three months or something. Yeah, yeah I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect before December. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay. But um, we would be invited to, if we got selected for the next round, we would be invited to an interview, so that would at least gauge something. Um, yes. All right, and then at the September 5th City Council meeting, Council, council authorized the release of the infrastructure modernization, utility savings, and sustainability request for proposal. Uh, this RFP was created using a template used by many other jurisdictions for similar issues. Um, however, our template was cross-referenced and edited to include suggestions from Mark and Greg, um, the Sustainability Commission's 2023 goals, the 2015 Climate Action Plan, and the Low Emissions Plan. The RFP is open and has been since September 6th. It closes on October 10th. Um, if anybody's interested in seeing the RFP, it's linked on the 9-5 council agenda. Um, if we're awarded that climate resilient grant, the, the one that I just talked about, um, we expect that the firm selected from this RFP, so from the infrastructure modernization utility program, um, would work on that mm -hmm. grant. Good. Um, so it would flow directly to them, um, and we would be in line for completing the that grant proposal um, relatively quickly, since we would already have a firm in house, wouldn't have to do a RFP, um, <clears> and they would already be familiar with the infrastructure at hand there. And just a reminder, this RFP is used 
by many communities in California. It's a generic one that then the right. community takes and uses. And it covers, especially with the edits we may do, it covers all of. Hi, I'm the owner of the phone. Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome. Hi, I'm the city clerk. Hi. Hi. I'm about to post the agenda for, um, sorry, my, I can feel like I'm interrupting, but no, I know no, right it's an open session. Uh, I'm going to be posting, um, and let me know if this is still okay from everybody. Uh, Mark Moore, if you haven't responded, Mark Moore is an alternate, uh, City Council will appoint Mark Moore as an alternate for, are you still okay with that? Yeah, yes. Okay, very good. So it'll be posted. He hasn't responded yet, but uh, yeah. That's great. Just so want to come from that. Yeah. yeah, thank you. All right. That's good news. Have a good meeting. Thank, thank you. you. Um, anyway, it covers the full range of infrastructure and sustainability needs that a community would have and would need someone to come in and look at it and then apply in terms of what they would do or you know, multiple. It's an umbrella. It's a thank you. It's an umbrella. I'm, I was so pleased to see this, and we, you know, thank you, Katie, because we worked through the process of getting the city to approve this because it's like finally a more holistic way to look at all the issues and then get them solved, <laughs> including the water, which is we added to it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So that's yeah. good news. The city manager has worked on a similar program at other cities that he's worked in. So he was, he was okay. enthusiastic about moving this forward and working on it. So and the RFP has been issued. Yep. So it's, it's open, open for. So when you say water, does that mean water conservation, water efficiency, water reuse, water, water, water? Water, water, yes. All I can say is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about the RP that's good is that it says we need sustainable water. It's pretty kind of general on that level, so people come back with I specifics. Guess. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> we don't have to look at it now, but if you just search RFPs, RFPS on the city website, which Great. is pretty crispy. Great. Great. Okay, we'll to here. Oh, hi, Greg. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Were you talking to me? Oh, <laughs> howdy. We weren't. Okay. Uh, did, did you have a question for me or? Oh, uh, just saying. Okay, I just, I just stepped around here. We're, we're doing grandparent duty so sorry enjoy that <laughs> yeah yeah we may have to go here but we'll, we'll listen in as long as we can we won't bother you <laughs> all right all right um good that was uh, is that that was number five so that was five out of five um ollie didn't provide me with any updates um so i think it's safe to assume no, no I have been working. <laughs> <laughs> All good news. Yes. Okay, so let's move on to housekeeping and community update items. Um, our mayor is absent. So waste and reuse. Look at there, perfect timing. It's waste and reuse. How about that? Time. Then you can leave and chase the kids around. Craig, <laughs> um, you're on mute. Got it. We were talking about this when the outreach committee met the other day, and you know, Kimberly and Nick and I are outreach, and I believe who's on waste with me now, Nick. I think all three of you are also waste. You're also waste. Yes. So yes. 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 
Um, but but because so much of what the you know the old waste committee now known as waste and reuse committee, Greg will recall that it was really set up because nothing was happening at the city level, state level, county level, whatever. And now we have all of the above. We have this unused plastic in in hand, and now that's over to the city to own because it passed the ordinance. We have state built, you know, all the state built through DA3 and all of those. So everything that we were going for and recommending and advising on pushing for is sort of there. And so it feels like a time to regroup and really ask you, Greg, like where, how do you see, we don't want to have just needless committees, right? So how do we need to have a committee still? Do we need to have what do we need to be doing as a sustainability commission in the waste area because i find now that this has been several months where there's not much of an update and really the outreach piece for single use plastic is kind of bundled in with green business and other things right. so it's hard pressed to know what uh, what another committee is going to do on waste you know that that's true, and and Katie might have some thoughts on it too because of the you know the JP the Marin County Zero Waste and the JPA, but um, you know the only thing from my perspective as a hauler is the public education piece. If we're missing anything, I mean we we reach out, and then I guess maybe the support of that with it you know the one sector would be the the multifamily, um that that only that piece, but um. I, I think maybe that you need to look at it, Matt, the waste and reuse committee now is like, um, don't buy committee, <laughs> you know, that I guess we need to stop like the consumer level. We need to work at stuff on the consumer level. Which, um, yeah. It's all campaigning and outreach yeah. versus what it used to be, which was helping to write policies and helping to bring together consortiums on, you know, doing some use and helping get staff reports through so I think it's just evolved. So I mean, I don't know. I might go so far as to recommend the move that we we strike the waste committee. But but I also know I feel like Michelle, who I saw in passing, had some sort of comment. She said something about waste committee. Um, so I don't know if there's something in particular that was waste oriented or outreach oriented. So maybe we just let it stay and just I say no updates, but if we could table for future agenda, do we need the waste committee separate from outreach going forward into 2024? Yeah, because it's more legislative and stuff. It might be more supporting programs or whatever, you know, send, you know, you know, I probably that's probably going to be a lot more of what happens now. I I I think. I think because the, the county, the county's taken a lot over for the zero waste, you know, and and the stuff that we we had to do in the past and even the plastic ordinance and the enforcement on that so that's yeah. i mean that's, that's pretty big isn't it a lot though i mean we talked about this Lauren. it's so much about enforcement now that the enforcement has been happening i mean i just keep thinking of all these stones and their plastic um grocery bags just as an example but you said that this is a county thing, a count, it's the count, no, they gets, it gets enforced for when they get their food licenses renewed. Yeah, so that's that's for single-use plastic, like cups and straws, okay. all the way back. I can't remember if it's a 
specifically calls out bags. Um, but for for restaurants, for restaurants, um, okay. for restaurants, it will pass through. They'll have an inspection when they have their food inspection, uh -huh. and any fees or violations will be passed through those food inspection fees for enforcement. Okay. okay. And. Um, so what what about grocery stores? Again, I'm picking on Molly Stones and their plastic bags, plastic grocery bags. I assume grocery stores would fall under that same category, okay. specifically okay. the ones that offer pre-made foods, mm. um, mm -hmm. like Molly Stones does, but I would need to dive into that deeper to 100% give you that answer. I just have friends and neighbors asking me on occasion. So, gee, I was at such and such a place in Sausalito, and they had single-use plastics, or they had, you know, plastic bags or whatever. Who enforces this? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll find Guido and send them there. Um, but because obviously, Sausalito Police Department isn't going to enforce. Um, and you don't have time to run around and yell at people. <laughs> so it's a new job description. So it is so we really have to look to the county then. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's for further reasoning for maybe what Lauren's considering is get either tabling the, the waste and reuse subcommittee mm -hmm. or or getting rid of it completely. It's just already it's yeah. already blended together. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind blended. of inefficient yeah. for our meetings to just right. have two separate updates. It's kind of what it works. It's not like we're gonna stop outreaching on waste, but it seems like all we do now for waste is outreach. So the reason for a second is sort of moot. Mm -hmm. Katie, if you trip over the person in your day-to-day -day work, uh, who does do the enforcement for the county? It would be really interesting to talk with them because he said, like, what are they up against? Do they have to go and train all of their food inspectors in this? What does that look like? Um, you know, are they looking to other counties for how they're taking care of this and how they're doing it? Be really curious, yeah. curious to know. Might even be somebody that a him or her we want to have come talk to us at a future meeting. I recall when we had the consultant working on doing training at restaurants and other commercial establishments, I thought that they had gotten a lot of businesses on board with single, without getting rid of the single use plastic, but I see it almost everywhere. Uh -huh. Every restaurant's got stacks of plastic clamshells and, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. I don't know if they've reverted or, um, now the county is is under the new agreement. The county is doing all the enforcement and education on that with businesses. We'll have to check. We'll have to check. I yeah, I don't know what the county is doing on that level as far as like the education. I mean, we we still have we still have starter kits and stuff that we you know replenished that. But you know, we've we we made that second round, but we can always make another. But you're right, Mark. I um, I've seen I, I make a habit when I'm in town on Friday to go around and get some food to go here and there. But I'm I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of plastic. Yeah, yeah. So we we should we'll keep the waste committee in in place through the rest of the year. And, and Greg, maybe we can talk offline and and. See if we can get to the bottom of 
what we know about enforcement and then blend it in with our green business stuff. You know, I guess, you know, I guess technically, maybe I, I don't know the date, but I think the, the ordinance for the county just now came. Is it is it is it started already or just come? Kind of, I can't remember. Yeah, it's brand new. Is is it even is it now or is it November that it goes through yeah. like like they haven't even started. So right. I think yeah, we maybe we just kind of figure out what is your plan when you go in November, like what can we expect? And then we can start figuring out how to support it through outreach and track. Okay. Is there any um on this the topic of plastic? Because now that I've been involved in this blue tech, blue economy thing. The, stuff, the, the awful things that happen in our oceans because of plastic, we all know this, but um, is there any like momentum around promoting the plastic alternatives that are compostable as part of this whole, you know, in other words, we know we don't want people using plastic, but can we pr promote the alternative? In, in a, well, the alternatives aren't compostable, but like there's those, some new, aren't those, there's some new, well, some of them, but but at least things, unless things have changed, Greg, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, all those things that we see people, you know, drinking from, like, that says, you know, compostable, that looks like plastic, they're not. If it looks like plastic, it's not compostable, even if it says it. And that's right, because it has that PLA liner, but there are some that are compostable, but so the problem is, is that they, they, nobody wants it because they can't tell the difference, you know, they, they you know, on what's what is truly compostable and what's not you know it's interesting um i, I picked something up at mcdonald's and the and there they changed they changed their packaging they have a truly compostable like clamshell for their like hamburgers and stuff now and mm. i i was shocked and that like just in the last week or two so that that, that was impressive um even the um because we get some stuff for the guys on saturday and even like the, the, the you know, like with the pancakes and stuff would come in, that was compostable. Uh, and that, that was a complete change from a plastic container, like, you know, a month ago to this compostable one. So that, you know, they're, 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 if they can find something, everybody else should be able to. And there's a difference. So I have a company in Oakland and we use a lot of plastic. Um, and we've had a couple RFPs with universities, one in particular, USC, UC Davis. UCSF and on all their fresh program, food program, they require backyard compostable. So that means a fiber bottom and a backyard compostable top. And it's really difficult to get yep. it. There just aren't a lot of um, options. And if there are options, they're really expensive. So it's tough. And, and there's a, um, a group of natural food and natural products advocacy um, called One Step Closer, and they have 250 companies, some of the biggest, Cliff and Seventh Generation and blah, blah, blah. They have a program around plastics. And I was just at an event last week on Friday up in um, Sebastopol. There's not universal truth around this. It is complete chaos wow. in terms of yeah doing this, this one doing that, yep. using this product, using that product, saying it's this product, saying it's this one, saying it's that one. And the consumer, unfortunately, is completely flummoxed because yeah. there's this you know, want out of either guilt or, or association by guilt to make the right choice. 
but the packaging doesn't even say anything universal or digestible bad pun um, in terms of what it is the thing is in so it is I can't even imagine how complicated it is for your business but within the context of the the food manufacturers the restaurants and everything in between it is just a whole mess for me yep. uh, SB 1383 requires governments to have certain certain recycled paper contents on every paper that we the city buys and so consequently i am thrust into paper procurement for the police department or you know admin and everything and even just sorting yeah. that that misinformation and trying to just build, paper just yeah. trying let to alone a plastic thing yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know you've got a fiber bottom and then they put a plastic pla liner on it you know and it's like well that doesn't work so it's it is i can't even imagine how difficult it is it's, to navigate let alone some little thai restaurant that's like i don't know, <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. where cisco's like here buy this case of this yeah so, it's, yeah it's a disaster and i mean greg knows i've been you know i'm constantly asking him questions or like i've got a there's there's shipping now. There's something came in called Renew Liner, curbside recyclable insulated shipping system replacing, um, you know, the styrofoam. Like everyone's coming up with these highfalutin names and okay. and mm -hmm. and there's Enviro Ice something to like for shipping wine. Right. And I'm like, is this where do I put this? Yeah. Well, where to put it in well, Greg's like, so, I don't know what to do with all this stuff. Yeah, so basically, Greg, you guys need to have a chat line and cups and all of that. It's it's very serious if we're backsliding. I think the county is brand new with their thing. We've always known that they're going to be coming in as the heavy and the enforcer and there's charges. Mm -hmm. We need to let them do it, mm -hmm. but I think it's it's good to call it out now to say, okay, what can we expect and what can we support through outreach. There's so. a really depressing, very long article in the LA Times this week on how plastic, how the whole thing around recycling has really yeah. gone back. Um, you know, we've we've reverted to all kinds of bad uh, bad habits, yeah. which I can send the article if anybody wants to get depressed. No. <laughs> you want to get depressed? No. No. Okay. It was, hard. it was hard enough looking at a mound of tin cans and trying to like figure out how to come up with something. How to do it? Yeah. yeah. I have another question. Um, is it part of 1383? Uh, the haulers doing uh, waste audits? And has that any of that been accomplished or well there, there's a difference there's like there's waste audits and then there's there's lid flips so you you, you know you kind of have your choice of what to do um we we worked with uh we don't we don't have we don't necessarily have to do a waste audit um but what we what we, because of the style of how we pick up we we presented it to you know cal recycle along with the, you know with the city and um R3 consulting that, you know, our thought is every time the guys open a can, they're basically in a sense doing a lid flip. We're not an automated system. We see it. So we have, we have stickers that we put out that if people do it wrong, that are what which we're supposed to do according to SB 13 we notify the customer and then we have to log it 
and um, and keep a record of it, and then in some cases take a picture. So we do we are doing it, but a, but a full out waste audit is a different is a is a different process. There was like two or three choices you could do. There was you know, these random route reviews, lit, um, waste audits, and then if you did a waste audit, you did it had to do it from a section of a route, and then depending on what you found in there, then you had to like. Um, you know, present a certain outreach to a certain segment of the, you know, the, the customer base or something. I can't remember exactly how, because we chose to do, you know, the lid flips. Well, on the lid flips, so you say you are putting stickers on if people are putting the wrong stuff in? That's the, what's supposed to happen is when they, when the, we, when, when the guys flip, you know, do the route, they flip the lid, they see the stuff, but they'll, they'll really see the, see what comes out. And if they're not going to, when you do a, a lid flip, you're just supposed to like kind of look at the top of the stuff real quick and then see, see what you see mixed up. But they're actually seeing the whole load. So we'll leave, we'll leave, in some cases, we'll leave something. If we can't get a hold of somebody, you know, somebody will leave, we'll leave it. But they're supposed to put a tag on and then there's boxes you check. And our, our, our tags that we came up with are basically the same tags that, you know, Cal Recycle used for their sample. Is is it a, a stick on tag or is it a yep. wire? It's a, it's a stick on. It's a stick on tag. Yep. I've, I've never seen one, but you must be uh, respectful. <laughs> yeah, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Our neighbors have we have a, a lineup of you know fifteen cans in a row. You know that I've never seen a sticker on anybody's. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not, this, this not, there should be. Yeah, we we're. We're doing a little bit more of an education process with the guys, but yeah, they they're they're supposed to leave it. They're supposed to leave it. In lots of cases, they call Kim, and and then she'll, she'll call the customer. But the, we're we should be leaving a sticker. But yeah, some some of the guys will come up with you know five or six a day, you know, and then other other guys don't. And the commercial the commercial can come up with quite a bit. It's just because we're seeing more. We see more than just a, your average audit, sure. you know. In, in in the audit, you're supposed to just like do like a random section of like 20 houses or on a route. So yeah, just to say, Bay Cities is going above and beyond what is required in, in this instance, and in terms of the route reviews and everything, Greg and Kim are moving us through the approval process for 1383 rapidly, so much so that Cal Recycle doesn't even have an appropriate closeout process yet for these route review processes that we're going through. Um, so just snaps to you, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the update. All right, you're welcome. Thanks, Katie. We talk about whiskey sprites because we have all kinds of crap going into, yep. I, I mean, I pulled out three big things this morning that were in recycling bins that were plastic. Because it's you know it's 156 units, so what do you do? Right, and that's what I that's what I mean. That's the toughest segment that we have is the multifamily, and um, you know Whiskey Springs actually needs we need to get that's like there's two that need to really I think the other one is a uh, Cote d'Azur um, that we need to get like a better process going with the food the food waste and the, you know letting the recycle, but yeah, you know because it's like a centralized location and and yeah. Putting all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, the is one we struggle with the most. Understandable. In multifamily, do you have the three bins? 
Yeah, we have the three bins. Like some, some will have them with the garbage area. There'll be, you know, the, a, a dumpster and then the bins for then and everything's color coordinated. Some will have just the cart. Some will have a bin and the carts. Um, in the case of uh, Whiskey Springs, they still have individual cans around, and then we have like a central location where everybody goes to put the recycling. And I think the um, the maintenance guy brings them out to like the curb level in certain areas. So yeah. It, we do have cart. We do have the three bins in most cases. Okay. I have to ask this question, Greg. While you're you're still here, because the whole question of recycled plastic, but only like five percent of it actually gets recycled. Is that like, what's your what's your take on that? Well, I I mean I struggle with that. Either there's a lot of plastic out there, and um, you know that either, either, either there's a lot of plastic that we don't see that doesn't make it into the stream but i mean we pick up quite a bit of recycling and, and what we're picking up is recyclable so i mean i see it bailed up and leaving you know the recycling center you know because i'll see i'll see it once a week and um so i'm not quite sure what that number represents. If it just means stuff that people are just flat out throwing away when they have their water bottles and they're out in public. Sure. But you know, what we're what goes through our trucks, that all gets basically recycled unless it's unless it's flat out garbage. Right. Okay. That's yeah. That's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it is weird. It, it's yeah, and I struggle with that number in it because everybody says I heard that only seven percent of the plastic out there is being recycled. Like like every, you know, I see so many water bottles and so many jugs that are, you know, recyclable that that's going through that, you know, they they but there's there's just so much different kinds of plastic. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there is a market for it. I mean, somebody's paying to take it away. Yes. Yes. And 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 I, I'm I'm really good friends with the guy that runs the recycling center for Republic, and you know, he'll 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 tell you that if if you can get enough of a certain material, you can find a market for it. Um, you know, shrink wrap, lots of plastic, you know, different kinds of plastics that you wouldn't think. Um, and you can, but you have to get enough of it to make it worthwhile. And that, and whether you're getting enough of that in, because they'll store stuff like all our old carts. You know, we took all the old carts over to them and they crushed them up and put them in bales. And they just, they hung on to them until they had enough. And we had, and, you know, to make enough that we had given them that they, they were able to take them out. And in some cases, they're made back into, you know, carts again. So, there's plenty. There's plenty of markets for it. You just have to get enough of it to come through the recycling center. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, outreach. Yep. I'll start. Um, okay. We've had um, some productive uh, meetings with Katie, um, and. The biggest thing to address was we have Katie now and how does that affect what outreach does and how we operate because our view is that really our job as a commission is to support Katie now. We didn't have a Katie and we were playing all these parts and and so it's really shifting and we had to talk about that and um, several things have happened. One. Um, it all kind of the home base is our web page right in the programs section in particular that Katie has now taken and turned into more of an update page by category. Which is 
and she's about to show a visual aid. Um, and this then will enable us to have something to point to when we go and do our outreach to various channels. So in this case, you see we've got recent um, energy updates, waste to reuse updates, some general stuff. Um, this used to be pretty much just what you see there under general. So Katie's added in specific things that are communicative uh, and ready to communicate. Right. Um, so we've got that. And then we have a new process now. And the process is essentially Kate, when Katie deems that something is now, okay, let's go, uh, that will be something that she'll communicate out to outreach and we will activate our strategy, which is to send out to the channels that Katie, or that Kimry, Nick and I would separately own. And we have those in our spreadsheet that we've distributed before. So like Nick with Sausalito Beautiful, me with the Women's Club and Marin City. Kimry with Lucy Springs and some others. And, and so those channels can get activated. If one, if there's a particular thing that activates that is expertise related, the example being like the doc phone thing, right? Well, maybe, maybe Nick takes that and that's his project and, and or you know, we'll figure out as a group how to how to do that. We have set up monthly meetings so that we can stay on track as a recurring and already in our calendars with Katie. So we feel like we have the home base, the process, and now we're ready to activate. And it sounds like um, there's a couple that are, that I'll talk about in a second, but um, there's a few now that we can really go on and then we'll, we'll see some, some others come down. Um, so, so that's good. Um, in terms of uh, Nick was going to give a green business update in his absence. I'll say that he spent some significant time with the gentleman who was here last time speaking. Mark, right. and asking a lot of our questions. Um, we he then was going to bring back some more questions to him but essentially um and i was asking you know what exactly are they after like are, are they just are we, are we supposed to be sourcing leads for them it was a little gray on what we were supposed to do and ultimately yeah. um we decided it seems like um starting with the easy wins is a good thing we're going to pull up the heat map from the plastic outreach and you know try and get like who are the good who are the good team players on that, right? The restaurants, the drivers, the 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 Poggio, people who work scoring green on all that outreach. We can give those names, we can do some things to help flow over to the green business folks to get started. It seems like the county um, plastic thing is within this green business thing. So that was one of our big questions. But the main question was what's up with commerce and who do we know there because i think the relationship that you had left um, no we can still connect with the chamber of commerce okay yes, so we do have that so yeah. so um and that will look at that information then to nick or he'll hit okay. recording that we do in fact have an update a person they should yeah. come to you should come to you to get that name. he can come to me to get the connection yes. 
So, you know, I apologize, I don't have all the details of Nick's update, except to say that it's great. There's been lots of movement since that meeting last week, and we'll just continue to, to do that and, and move forward with this green business thing. Um, we did have questions about um, leaf blowers, and I had you know, raised before and still remain concerned on enforcement with that. Katie's flyer, uh, we're going to use that for one of the first outreach channel pieces. So that's great. But as we deliver out these things and people hear about it for the first time potentially and then call their neighbor or call out their neighbor on, on call the, the, the police on the, like, Apparently, the police are saying they don't have time to enforce it. So it's really the code enforcement officer who is in, in charge of enforcing these kinds of things. So we had an initial conversation that I talked to you about earlier. I've since followed up with him. Um, basically, it requires somebody calling him and him physically going out and seeing a leaf blower being used. So the, the, there was a walk back on the decimal thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so is is it isn't it written in the ordinance that it's the police? No. No. Code, code enforcement. It says code enforcement. Code okay. Um, so he then would have to physically get in his car and go up at that very moment to see it in action. Is it the the people that with the three wheel parking? Yeah, you know, that's he, different. Yeah, his, his call, he actually sits right in the community development window. Okay. Um, and he just got the ability, or not just, but a few months ago, he got the ability to fine. It was an extra certification that he got, so he's able to actually issue fines. I think now CDD is probably targeting more lucrative, cumbersome fines. Um, so I'm sure he has his priorities set, um, but he is aware of our interest in getting when, how, do, how do other communities do the enforcement? Do you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, I, I mean, it, does he does he have anything else he enforces? That requires that, like, I gotta witness something. Pretty much everything. Everything. Yeah. So he's that's kind of what he does is jump in his car and go. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not unusual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he's gotten he's gotten complaints on the sustainability website, on the energy updates. You know, his contact information is there. There's, so he's 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 heard he's gotten. He has, yeah. A few months, the probably last commission meeting, I, I asked him how many complaints and stuff he's gone. I think it was maybe around like seven. Okay. Um, there's a code enforcement complaint form. Okay. Um, which ultimately, I think it would be great for the outreach subcommittee to to encourage use of this form and particularly encouraging use. In the form, writing what landscaping company, if it is a company, mm -hmm. um, is, is violating that. So then if we needed to do more outreach, then we can target that specific company. 
Is the place on the flyer to, is, I haven't looked at the flyer in a couple weeks. Is there a place on the flyer to? You can click on it right there and see. Is that oh, the flyer? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, this is the website. We got a flyer. Eddie just filled so, up this flyer. Wow. Isn't that cool? Um, yes. Say no to those things. <laughs> there it is. And should, well, should we edit it to say or go on and fill out the form? Yeah. And, yeah. and because that'll go out digitally, we can do a link, a hyperlink on it. And then if people want to print it out, that's fine too, but at least the hyperlink is there. I have a suggestion. I think there ought to be a, a second page with all the electric uh, appliances, you know, we're rendering those so people see what the alternatives are rather than just say these are not allowed but here's what you need to have to replace those an earlier iteration had um uh not not pictures but you know detailed that in writing and um i imagine most of the time these flyers are going to be going to the people who are landscaping um, not their bosses, uh, so it was immediate. It was targeted, you know, specifically for that. But yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think from a from a flyer perspective, yeah. If you, we're setting this out digitally, which we are, and this, this, you could almost imagine this is the third of like, you know, print this if you'd like to hand this out. But you know, here's a reminder because it's been a while. Here's a reminder of it. And here's what you know you can either purchase yourself or you know make others aware of. So it's mm -hmm. almost um, the library has one of and an electrically slower for rent. And and that too, and that like advertised mm -hmm. as well. So maybe we could do more of a package, like everything you know, because the reason I'm curious about this and and and, and interested in this right now is because I mean we don't have as many leaves falling in this part of the world as in other places, but this is the time where those leaves are going to start to fall. So even more so, this yeah. would be the time to promote. If the outreach subcommittee wants to <laughs> further edit this. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start with, with, uh, those beautiful graphics, um, <laughs> but I mean, if you want, if you want to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you want to give us the, I can the, give you the, I mean, in a PowerPoint, I can give you the PowerPoint version. Yeah, and then we can play around with that, maybe Mark, because you've got so much of that source material. And then, um, yeah. Okay, so let's see what else the other thing was this is an email chain um smart did you have what you needed on to take to melissa for what you were looking for so there more outreach that is needed well uh she was copied on that so i i said that she received it yeah because there's not current outreach planned on that so if we need to re-energize no i think that's she just wanted to see what has transpired so far she wanted to be able to what she told me was that you know not September 19th like it was originally uh, scheduled at City Council, but she said before the end of the year she wants to get this to City Council. What she told me. So 
uh, and she, uh, in, in order to be able to talk about it, she wanted to have an outline of what has been accomplished of each place. Okay. So uh, I then her back to her after that, but um, I assume that that fulfills her need to okay. know what ha what's happened so far. Okay, so no one to go on that. So that means that the actions for the outreach next up are sun shares, leaf blowers, and then the bigger project of the the just green business, green business launch yeah. is that's kind of got a lot of different categories in yeah. it, but mainly focused on business. So those are our three items right now. I think in the next couple months that will be starting, and then um, there are some events happening. We we have talked about doing more tabling. Um, there's a there's. There's what what is the one we said we we're gonna the toast to Sausalito. The, the toast to Sausalito. We were gonna be there tabling. Um, Did you definitely want to do it? Yeah, I thought, okay. yeah, I thought we decided that. Yeah. Okay. I thought you said you were out of town. Oh no, I said I had people in town. Oh, but okay. I was, that was gonna. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think. Um, if the twenty first, if people are around for toast to Sausalito. October 21st. Um, yes, we can tentatively say yes, we're going to do their tabling. And that would be sort of why we're trying to get this green business thing situated so that we can have an opportunity while we're down there in Caledonia mm -hmm. to, to hit up some folks there. That's kind of it, I think. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. That's great. I'm glad to see the green business rolling out. So yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah, and, and Nick's taking the lead on that. Mm -hmm. um, so. Okay, good. Um, we're going to go now back to external presentations since we have Oscar with us. Perhaps. You did? <laughs> there he is. Are you there? There he is. Okay. Hi, Oscar. Guys, how are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for being here. I can here. introduce <laughs> Oscar, but Oscar is our one of our three wonderful landscapers we have in Sausalito. Oscar yeah. is a champion of all things water reuse, uh, native planting, um, using natural nature-based solutions instead of fertilizer. Uh, he used to work for Great and Rancheria, so he also has a a background in traditional ecological knowledge and incorporating that into landscaping practices. Um, I am so thrilled to be working with Oscar. Uh, we have monthly lunches where he reinvigorates me um, and teaches me all about the work, the amazing work that he's doing. Um, so Oscar approached me, I don't know, last week or two weeks ago about an idea that he had concerning uh, water use and landscaping. And I invited him to come and speak today. So, Oscar, I'll let you take it away. Uh, and you're thank you. Well, uh, thank you, Katie. Uh, it's it's been a few years. Uh, last time I was presented to you guys was I think uh, four years ago. It was a year after I joined. Four years ago, I, I did a presentation. Yeah, and it's been a long time. They asked me to come back, so it's been four years. I've been on the hide in the parks. Uh, and I think what's so uh, em emotive or oh, strongly tied right now is that our time is clicking towards uh, mitigating and adapting to climate change. Uh, the community serves as, as a public employee.
that we want to do one thing that is for us to continue to keep um, the city working in its functionality and at the same time try to experiment with uh, methodologies that help us uh, have not only uh, a, a beautiful place that we, we, we celebrate, which is also little, but at the same time it has to be sustainable, has to be resilient towards a drought, uh, the ongoing also COVID uh, <clears throat> Uh, virus uh, or during the pandemic, we basically were down to prioritizing what was important in our city to keep it functioning. And honestly, my biggest approach uh, and what I saw happening in the town of South Salido is that we have such an amazing uh, microclimates uh, temperature that it can create all these green areas through the city. And part of us in the park system is one to create a place for people to hang out, to be outside, to experience not only the beauty, uh, but feel inspired. And so when we do work uh, specifically on certain parks that um, I tend, I really want to push to create a, a sensitivity to, to the environment, to the place, to the location. And there's also history behind um, the history about the native plants who stay, who were tried there, who tended them and how um, some of that traditional ecological knowledge comes to terms now as a toolkit for us to recognize our history, where we said, and we're gonna lay down a foundation for the future. So um, humbly, um, I maintain seven parks for the city uh, and the senior medians. Um, it's been an amazing opportunity for the city to really trust me since I jump in. Um, and part of, uh, I guess, the solutions that Katie and I are looking into are nature-based solutions that are affordable, that are, uh, you know, uh, and I go into the presentation. It's a short presentation, but at least I want to invite you guys to kind of start looking at those opportunities for us as a community to look at projects and use kind of the same metrics, right? We don't have to think and go around the world for solutions. We have the solutions here in the past talking to our, the people who live here before, there's a lot of uh, history um, and we have communities that are in our vicinity, uh, Marine City, uh, Tiburon, uh, San Rafael that are coastal, San Francisco, nine counties that surround the Bay Area. So we really, if we think we're an island, we're not, we're so interconnected and we need to start talking to those communities. Um, without further ado, uh, Katie, can you share, allow me to share my screen? I and then we'll have Q&A later. Yeah. Can you try? Let me see. Uh, how do I do this? I forget. Okay. Uh, to 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 to. I'll share screen. Let me see. Sorry, guys. It's been a while since I do Zoom, but um. Not great. I so here's what I have, and along the line, it's only a five presentation. I start at two o'clock this afternoon. And it took me an hour and a half going through my pictures. And I just want to make sure that you guys feel uh, comfortable um, as I go. And, and if we have some Q&A, we can do it towards the very end. So I look at uh, a landscape as an incredible matrix that holds moisture, moves moisture, and the plant ecology that it actually assembles, right? Uh, water is important. But most importantly is the moisture in the soil and the living organisms that have the capacity to move through soil and create this porosity. So I call this presentation South Salido Rainwater Harvesting or Harvest because uh, the approach here is to look at a landscape from the mindset that uh, we want to create uh, in our time, right, 2023, uh, islands. Uh, instead of having these existing lawns that are monocropic, 
that require fertilizers that are thirsty for water three or four times a week, right? And they don't really serve a purpose unless you lay down on it. So my approach was to kind of bring uh, tools to be able to uh, bring, number one, retire the chemicals, create an assembly of microorganisms in the ground, and actually save water and change from a sprayer system to a drip line system. This is a picture from Jitok Chi, uh, it's uh, from last year. And uh, the introduction of plants um, to instead of a grass was kind of my, me thinking that I wanna be able to provide in, a, uh, in my time plant for plants that have a large ecological service. Plants that actually can thrive in the conditions that actually they're native to them or similar to them. Uh, so choosing from a palette of native plants that are coastal uh, and actually reintroduce them in areas that used to be kind of the typical lawn, I'll create this kind of micro arrangement of plants and at different heights and at different levels to be able to maximize the water that I place into these pitted areas or landscapes. Um, again, these are urban uh, planters. Uh, they're surrounded by nothing but concrete, asphalt, and runoff. Um, and one, my part of uh, understanding landscaping is you want to have positive incomes and you want to have even better outcomes, right? So I say, well, if I'm going to convert a lawn into a native garden and that's going to provide shelter to uh, migratory birds, it's going to call in pollinators that are uh, native that in fact actually benefit from having native plants instead of plants that you may purchase in Home Depot or Lowe's that have uh, tested for uh, a, a toxin that comes, a nicotide, uh, which is nicotine because <clears throat> nurses want to sell flowers and flowers get eaten by insects. But because larger nurseries are commercial, they spray chemicals and to the plants and to the flowers, so insects actually don't even eat them. And to have a healthy ecosystem, you need to provide through the chain of food, a layer of food. So all this energy moves through this in a pattern that is cyclical and in a pattern that is healthy. Um, so thinking that we're gonna start with native plants that are not from a nursery, but from a locally sourced nursery actually allow us to keep uh, certain species non-contaminated and kind of get them a healthy start. Um, and in a changing climate, like I mentioned, we also had a crisis uh, three years ago, uh, two years ago when we didn't have water, right? So we got allocated only one day a week to water. Well. Understanding that we're planting for a resilient landscape and conditions of drought in the future, pretty much I uh, choose a palette of plants that are very, uh, very low water, but nonetheless have the highest ecological service, which means they'll continue to grow through the summer. They had enough water during the rainy season. And in order to harvest that rainy water during the rainy season, we have to be able to amend organically some of the components that lay, that lay down close to the earth or to the soil. Um, one case study, I'm gonna jump into it and you guys can go and see it with your own eyes, is Plaza de Cascades in South Salido. Um, when I joined the city five years ago, a little over than five years ago, this plaza was on its uh, almost halfway being completed. Uh, very incredibly done by amazing masoners that came from Portugal. Actually, they uh, work all the stone work by hand and lay down this beautiful compass with the directions of north, south, east, and west. Uh, the prime minister of Portugal actually came and you know cut the ribbon with the city manager. And here's a landscape um, that uh, 
at the time when design, and I talked to the landscape architect, we're about 85% of the plants were Mediterranean, non-native. What does that mean? It means that the plants were from the Mediterranean, from another continent, brought in, placed in a landscape under conditions uh, that are non-native to them. So what ended up happening is that uh, a lot of the landscape did not look good because the soil was not prepped properly. Uh, there were a lot of uh, dying plants from, from actually having too much water. Given that we have a, a, a downtown part of South Saluda is actually uh, built on, on what is called fill, uh, which is uh, basically a soil that gets eroded, gets pushed down into the bay, and then dump trucks come in with uh, rip wrap, which is broken concrete, and any type of filler soil to be able to create a flat surface so you can build a road and you can build a train tracks and then you can have a you know a downtown that's what we found right outside plaza de cascades uh surrounded by concrete a highly compacted clay and in fact non-native plants that like clay so uh the clay pretty much what it did it's the the challenge that it has was its geology uh that was non it was california clay uh, but also the topography, it, it was designed to have runoff of water instead of capturing water and retaining it and allow it to sink and, and really penetrate down into the landscape. It actually served the purpose of actually, when it rained, it rained and the water run off the landscape. So that was a, not a good uh, design, perhaps. Um, but then at the same time, I said, well, you know, we got plenty of rain here in South Salido, about 37 inches of water a year. Where is that going? You know, we have a drip system, but if we can cut back on the use of water and we can harvest that rainwater into our landscape, what steps do I need to take? Well, you have to look at it in a regenerative perspective of soil and also bringing a, a healthy soil actually helps capture more carbon, helps create a strong root system and actually because of the strong root system and healthy root system that actually breaks through the clay and allows more water retention at the same time that it's building soil slowly and that actually pulls nutrients from way deep and then you have a healthy cycle, right? And so we didn't have that. The challenge was here. We have a palette of 85% native, non-native plants that are dying. And I took the challenge to the, uh, at the time was a public works uh, manager. Lauren Lombardis, and I said, Lauren, I can fix this up. What we need to do here is number one, raise the non-native plants, uh, bring in native plants that actually understand the soil genetically for thousands of years. Uh, we need to bring a little bit of calcium to loosen up the soil and we need a lot of mulch to help us break down some of the clay and then a, a healthy layer of mulch. And the first, um, Answer was no, because uh, it was already a design landscape that had a design review, and we were gonna continue flying on that on that uh, route. Well, I, I felt a little bit of um, kind of, you know, I'm pretty new, they don't trust me, they don't know who I am. Okay, the landscape continued to look worse and worse and worse. And it got to the point that I say, Lauren, it's time to do it. So I call in our previous director or supervisor, Ken, and I mentioned, we need to amend these things. We need to really bring this soil to life so at least uh, the non-native plants can live, but we also need to incorporate native plant, non-native plants from California. So that allowed me to actually regenerate the soil, allow uh, rainwater to actually be captured on site by changing the topography of the park, 
Uh, we also introduced some uh, native um, coastal aster. Uh, a native coastal aster and some of the native plants that are uh, wildflowers have a strong taproot. Well, what ended up happening is after we lay down a healthy layer of a compost um, and then uh, put a healthy layer of arbor mulch, we were able to plant wildflowers from a seed package, locally sourced. And that allows actually for that uh, year of rain to have the rain uh, being captured on site, right? Don't allow it to run off, but let it slowly sink in. Now, what we had to do because the plants were dying with too much water, we have to raise some of those plants and then let the roots uh, kind of be at a more um, higher up consistency until we build a healthy layer of soil. Well, the natives kick in and within a year, these native plants begin to bring in nutrients and all the process of actually pruning and mulching on site from the same vegetation allows to start kicking in healthy uh, soil. Uh, both the native and the non-native plants begin to thrive. And to this point, um, if you look at a, a, a this a canvas of plants, we have about 50% uh, of native plant species and about 50% of non-native species coexisting and using less water, uh, maximizing ecological service now because the previous plants were non-native. They did not incorporate food to any of our uh, food webs in the Bay Area and coastal sites. But given that push on the wildflowers, we were also able to bring in some uh, important monarch um, milkweeds into the into the area. And we've been successful enough to have at least three years in a row uh, the appearance of the monarch caterpillar. So um, I'll share that picture at the end of the milkweed. I could not upload the caterpillar that recently was there, like last two days ago. But you're welcome to take a walk around the park and see how by understanding how water moves through the landscape, how we can harness the rainwater and how we can actually have uh, the native plants actually help us build the soil that help us uh, also anchor the soil and provide these uh, food chains that are so, so needed right now. Um, the opportunity also to prevent runoff and pollution. Uh, most of uh, the areas that are in cities, we have a lot of dust created by vehicles, a lot of dust being created for you know people maintaining their houses with paint, uh, just dust and pollen. And what ends up happening is you want that pollen, you want the dust, you want all that to be actually reincorporated into the soil and have microbes eat away that uh, instead of having it run off, go through the street and then go through the um, storm drain. So part of the uh, realignment uh, of the topography of these specific areas uh, around Plaza de Cascades were meant to capture the rain and actually any dirt, any pollution from the sidewalk actually will end up somehow into the landscape. So instead of moving away the water, we wanted to move it in and let it sink in. Um, most importantly too, I think this, uh, what I implemented here is uh, something that has been implemented before. I've been a uh, landscaper for about 20 years. So our main idea is how do we maximize our time being at a place and how we can maximize rainwater because rainwater has nitrogen, uh, which is a, a, an amazing um, uh, uh, food for plants. And is one of the most important and uh, minerals, not minerals, but element that it's needed for plant growth and stability. Uh, the other nitrogen that I know, it only comes via fertilizer. So if we're able to harness that rainwater 
sinking into our landscape will also fertilizing our landscapes. Um, one more important thing here that I will say is like having a healthy living soil, having a healthy uh, tree root system creates actually a tree to be uh, more stable, to be more healthy. Once established itself, it's going to require deeper water, which is kind of intended to look for it, as well as nutrients. So it always serves a benefit to um, always harvest or plant to harvest rainwater. Um, what's the methodology behind all of this? Well, it's very think organic, right? What's the number one thing fuel that actually plants need and landscape actually needs? Well, you take a walk in the forest, right? You go to, um, let's see the redwoods. What's the best feeling that you have when you go through the redwoods or when you go around the coastal to see, uh, you know, the beautiful savanna oakwood forest? Well, when you walk, you feel there is a healthy layer of crunchy organic material, right? And that crunchy organic material is nothing but leaves. It's nothing that um, their own minerals being actually shaded by um, sheds by the tree and their own on circulation. Well, what we do here, my intent uh, while working in the city is to do one thing, think organically. We don't need chemicals to keep our lawns green. We just need to create uh, enough of a change on the topography of, of lawns, enough of a change in the topography of planters to maximize the in intake of, of rainwater. And then number two, if we have a planted area, we try to use uh, the best arbor mulch, which is the arbor mulch created by arborists who do pruning of trees, and the majority of nutrients, if any tree, will be on the leaves and on the small branches. So when a lot of these uh, trees get established, they're actually pulling nutrients from the soil. So when they're pulling those nutrients that are way deep, what we're doing, we're catching those nutrients, we're shredding those nutrients, right? We prune for safety reasons. We also prune for uh, protection of uh, um, electrical lines, for privacy, for overgrowth, for firescaping. So it's an endless, amazing cycle, right? Of a plant growth and a healthy pruning that eventually will shred that material. And then that comes back to park to create that nice cushy layer that eventually will feed the microbes in the soil. And once the soils are healthy, once this plant uh, root systems go healthy, and once there's amazing radicular and um, layer of, of roots that is intercalated, then we have maximize the amount of possibility to harvest rainwater on site. Um, always try to uh, keep things locally. Um, one of the things that we have is we have a great relationship for these products that come free to the city through our electric service that are one of our contractors. They bring us um, mulch that has no disease, has, has no sodium oak disease, or has invasive species such as acacia and uh, scotch broom, just to name a few. We also reduce our capital footprint because a lot of this material is produced in South Saludo and Mill Valley. So instead of them taking this amazing mulch, which is kind of our goal, right? Somewhere into the dump, 10 miles away, it all stays here. And again, it creates a healthy cycle of carbon. And once we have a healthy cycle of our carbon, we also restore our water infiltration. And the main thing about uh, rainwater, it's that we want to be able to have our water uh, not only where we want it, which is down into the soil, deep down, but also when we get the months of summer, right, starting in May, we can also still have moisture down there in the soil. And this layer of moisture actually keeps that, so that water from being evaporated. 
So it's break down slowly by micros. You know, it takes it takes six months a year for that mulch layer just totally slowly disappear, creating this beautiful uh, uh, organic uh, pattern. And then what we end up having is when that nourish nourishing our soil, we end up retaining that, that water. And only water sometimes lives is only through the plant. So it's only to the work of the plant's physiology that that water leaves. So we end up with a lot of water in our bank. And then in the months coming of July and August is when we actually depend more on the sea water, or I would say marine municipal water to feed some of our plants, some of our local uh, parks. So you may see that um, sometimes some parks may be a little bit more on the drier side, and that's completely natural because native plants, they don't like to be water during the summers. Their DNA, their coevolution has been to maximize the the water uh, uh, pattern, which is between the months of late October all the way to April, and that's when you're gonna see most of the native flowerings. And then after that it comes a period of uh, dryness, and then seed creation, and then again another cycle of seeds going to the ground, and they wait for the rain in late October, November to kick in another cycle. So sometimes we may not find beauty all year long but because we're trying to mimic healthy cycles. And part of this is to increase our biodiversity, right? If we already have a healthy soil, if we have a great organic matter being built between the, the previous soil and the mulch, then we can increase our pattern of plants that we wanna have. And that will increase the pattern of uh, visitors that come to our garden. Either they're migratory pollinators or other type of insects. And then we can extend a little bit more of flowering system for natives because now we capture some of that water in those parks. So it's a benefit to all of us. Um, over here, you see in the left, uh, some of the California poppies growing at Donkey Park. We also have some of our coastal lupins. These lupins uh, have grown in Vina del Mar, Chi, and Plaza de Cascades, as well as you can find some at Donkey too. Um, down there, um, I have more of a kind of dry Mediterranean landscape which has some artichokes which i love artichokes maybe katie knows that it's kind of my um particularly more resilient plant right that will survive long periods of drought it still create an ecological pollen and flower and go through a healthy cycle and all the plant what it does is just telling us the level of um moisture in the ground so it's a it's an amazing journey um if i can leave you with uh, just a few tips and I would love to do a workshop with you guys somewhere out there in someone's house or in a public park. If we want to harvest uh, water, we have to slow down the rain. And to slow down the rain in South Little is to mulch and plant. And we can mulch all year long. You know, it doesn't matter if you're January, February, uh, or middle of summer. Mulch is always beneficial. And plant, plant in the months coming into fall, just about now. Those areas that may be on a hill, right? Or you may find them a little bit on a swell. It's a great time so they can maximize the intake water from the rain. And then you can periodically water them. Maybe when it becomes um, drier and warmer in the coming months of June, July, and August. Um, also, when we mulch, we're reducing the speed in which water will travel through the landscape. Because um, in fact, there's been studies, I haven't seen the studies, I just heard them, that even rainwater, when the soil is not covered, when you have bare soil, that soil, you step on it, it gets compacted, right? Because we have some weight. But also raindrops can actually compact the soil. And actually, I don't know if you guys have seen um, dirt 
when it first rains, actually the soil becomes so the soil, right? Uh, when the first drops came in, it becomes hydrophobic, which means it repels the water. It kind of doesn't like it and create these kind of um, watering bodies. So I don't know if that happens to you guys' garden that you go, oh, I'm gonna go and water the plants. And you're shooting water, right? With your hand, with your hand gone water. And you think, oh, I watered enough. Well, you just hit it superficially because a mulch layer, what it will do, it actually will help as a cushion or as a buffer taking in those droplets of water, it's slowing them down, create a slower kind of capillary action to get that water kind of sink slowly down an inch, two inch, three inches, down to a foot and so on. So really infiltration is the key, but without having the mulching in plants, that won't be able to happen. Because also plants being there and native plants and wildflowers being there, after they're finished, we just cut them and let those roots decompose because those will be the channels in which nutrient, I mean, water will flow down. Um, and at the same time, when you, when we use, when we use these practices, when the water leaves the soil, it actually leaves, leaves air pockets and those air pockets get filling with uh, oxygen. So it's a, a lot of benefits, you know, if we treat our soil, if we use organic practices and if we have into or major goal is to increase, cre increase biodiversity. Um, one more thing too, that is so important for us to understand since we self solution and a slope too, having a healthy tree root system is very important. And when you're in a hill, you may not be able to withstand or withhold water, right? But you can actually fertilize organically with an organic compost or a mulch around. So your trees actually keeps as much moisture as possible, even living on a slope. Um, and again, we want to create, continue to create healthy systems. We wanted to continue to increase our biodiversity in our soils as well. And then we can have a healthy living in our gardens and in our parks. And um, that takes on my presentation. So, Katie. Well, Oscar, thank you. Your knowledge and expertise and vision about this is incredible and makes so much sense, I think, to everyone here. But I'll leave it at that. And anybody have any comments or questions? Or... Yeah, um, uh, Oscar, th thank you. Just want to add my thanks to Greg's. I have a question for you, and, and Katie, this is a question for Katie too. Does the city have a policy of only purchasing native plants for landscaping? Uh, no, at this time. Um, what I heard in the last, uh, a month and a half ago, I thought, um, I, I thought a group of about 17 students a native plant design and maintenance in, by the California Native Plant Society uh, was hired by the institution. And we were pushing to pass a bill, SB, don't hold me on it. But in a way, we want to be able to create public settings, schools, uh, commercial sites, uh, public parks into only using uh, native plants. So that's cooking. I know that's coming. It really came from a very progressive site on uh, Native Plant Society. They're really behind the bill. And I think uh, we can get more information, maybe, Katie. Uh, oh, sorry, on I don't want to interrupt you and burst your bubble, but I read on CNPS today uh -huh. AB 1573, which uh -huh. would have jurisdictions to, uh, um, to only buy and plant 25% natives was shot down. Oh, so, uh, well. 
Does, but does the city have a policy? Yeah. No. Not that I'm aware of. City could Oscar, have a policy. Oscar, Oscar would know better than I would. Oscar is our policy. Oscar is our policy, right. Don't hold me I like, uh, one thing that I really like is the consensus that our community, we lead by example. Um, and I think Katie knows this about me and some of the folks that I work with. It's good to have it in paper, but when you touch it, you walk into the park and you experience it, you say, this is worth it. This is where a policy, this is where a tax money goes. Mm -hmm. And when you see it, when you expedite those projects and you see them, then you say, we want more of this. So I hope in the future we're able to do a little tour, maybe Katie, we can walk around Dunphy Park, we can pinpoint plants, and then let's, you know, build up something that the community and put it as a referendum, you know? Uh, the dream here, or what it, part of my big dream here is to create a uh, pollinator corridor through South Saludo and Marin County and connect the counties to the north. Um, that'll be something that will actually be amazing. As much as I'm with public, uh, you know, public works and parks, I get very excited when it comes to the green infrastructure that we all have, right? Or little front yard or backyard is our infrastructure. It's, it's, in, it's within our own hands, right? And to remediate at home, we're already doing the homework because many of the plants that are native, they propagate so well on soil conditions that we have, right? And they also are so vigorous that we can split and share among our neighbors, right? Just like the way I've been producing park settings through South Saludo, I, I only have purchased on my own resources a few of the plants that I found amazing, but the majority of the time I do a lot of clipping and I do a lot of propagation from clippings. And so I think we just need to be more creative about time or money and our condition as active as active citizens um, and also kind of, you know, find a policy that actually has some teeth to it. Um, and maybe we explore that later on, Katie. Oscar, can I ask a question? Um, and this is sort of I, I sit on the outreach committee. Um, I know as a resident with a, a large hillside of uh, we've been wanting to do native plants on our hillside for years and we can't find anyone to help us and and we just don't know where to go we don't know we don't know anything so I mean it would be wonderful to have a recommendation of you know I'm sure you can't go coach every single resident but to know you know if i'm a resident and i have land to you know if you're interested in having a dream corridor like we could team up on it like do you have that type of program with residents who want to do this who have the land to do it because Here's I, I, yeah. I, we would love to do something and i'm sure there's lots of people who would do something and i'd love to have a resource that people could go to on our site to say do you want to plant native plants? Because all I see are like the ladies at the farmer's market, but they won't come and talk, talk, come over. Then I hear the water department has people. We're just struggling to find someone to help us. Yeah, um, well, you, it, you know, you you mentioned I mean, something amazing that it just, for many years, I let me put it this way. The last uh, month when I taught these students, um, and it was great. I mean, it was a great honor. The different ages, different backgrounds, different perspective of a landscape, but they were very excited about native plants. Um, so I know the California Native Plant Society has put up amazing literature out there. 
There's Calscape, which is one of our uh, resources. I wanted to do the website here share, but I did not have time to do it. But um, if you email me, I'll send you a couple of amazing resources because two things, planting natives is important. Understanding our microclimate is even more important because we know what used to live there and what could be reintroduced. It's kind of, I, I rewild the suburbia and I rewild urban settings. That's what I see because I can see the resiliency on native plants. Um, apart from their ecological service, I think we have an opportunity in damaged areas that have been too compacted, an abandoned lot, uh, uh, an abandoned tree in the corner that doesn't look healthy. Well, what went wrong? How can we repair this and become also a repair our community, right? And, re and reintegrate our community. So it's something that we can definitely maybe explore with ourselves a little beautiful and I can come and take a look and we can all figure it out through a plan and you know just work on it and see where it goes. To be honest, a list of plants are there. The timing is perfect in fall. Uh, we have the rain precipitation. There's easy drip systems that could be laid out to have these plants taken care of. I also know, I also am a board president for Rescape California, which is a uh, nonprofit and we are workforce development. Uh, we train on nine principles of sustainable, sustainable and resilient landscape for the entire state. Uh, and we have a whole checklist and people that have gone through our trainings, people who are qualified landscapers, who are qualified in the urban setting. Um, and so sharing those resources will be great because you need more than sometimes your community. You need certain expertise to come in and assess and, you know, create a pilot program. And then you can extend the pilot program out into the community. So, yeah, yeah me I'll, on email, I'll email you, and maybe then we can get something up and we can start communicating it. Because yeah. I, I, I can tell you for sure, it's very hard to just know where to start because there's lots of websites, resources. So, Oscar, if you can guide us into maybe a step by step, that would be. Oh my awesome. God, that'd be my pleasure. All yeah, right, start with my backyard. <laughs> just a final thought. I'm dreaming up. Um, uh, a grant application. <laughs> yes. Uh, All right. Uh, um, for the Wildlife Conservation Board has a monarch butterfly and poll pollinator rescue program, mm -hmm. um, which I would love to work with Oscar to transform our medians and other monocrop grasses yes. into some sort of pollinator corridor that Oscar would lead us through and could perhaps entail some sort of community program that would go alongside with the great. city transforming their, to, to assist residents transforming their monocrops as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, I know there is the Marine Conservation Corps, which is this uh, youth program that teaches students about conservation. And, you know, I my background is in conservation restoration from Sonoma State and urban planning. So I always think about like, okay, we, we have this road, okay, we're compromised, we need it. But here's this lot, how can we maximize the ecological value of it? So there is value even on recognizing that roads are important, bicycle lane are important part of a built, built environment, but also we have this green opportunity. And it's like uh, Katie says, it's right on those medians, right? It's right on having native plants instead of non-native plants that may not be healthy in, in our streets because there's so much water diseases blah 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 so it's it's a it's a larger combination uh, but as a community i think definitely we can grab a few projects and you know 
get get the attention of, of city officials and say, yes, you guys are going the right direction. Let's make this a resolution. So. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thank you, Oscar. Really, this is great. All right. Well, I'm going to clock out. I have to say goodnight to my kids. Seven. Okay. Let's enjoy the weekend. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Commission. And I'll be in touch with you guys. All right. Great. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks. Great. Great. Can you just get him calling and we and this is one piece I forgot. We would like help with from the commission for engagement. One thing we thought about is when we're ready and buttoned up with what the ask of the businesses are, rather than just us divvying it up, we thought let's first come back to the commission and say, like, who knows? Like, does someone get their coffee every morning at Firehouse? Does someone go to you know, equator all the time. Like, where do we kind of already have communities yeah, amongst yeah. the team here? And then, you know, we could maybe sign up for a couple. And so split out when we get to it, that outreach for people we know. It's a lot easier to have that conversation. Um, and, but we do have a plan for types of business to priority. So, so for the most part, I covered it, but that was a much more okay. succinct version. Of Great, that makes sense. Good. Um, Okay, so we can get through this pretty quickly. I think there's nothing on the Marin County side, and there's no big update. It's the same. Um, <laughs> uh, water. Water. Good timing. Hey, perfect, uh, perfect timing. So um, uh, David and Michelle and I um, had a lot of fun taking a deep dive into this question of part of the expression and into this question of. What would emergency water look like for um, Sausalito? And what would bringing some of the streams that we have to life um, look like for Sausalito? What kind of benefit? Oscar? Yeah, I'm sorry? That's a good one for Oscar. That's a good one for Oscar. Um, in terms of emergency water, just real quickly, um, we have there's two pipes coming into Marin City and Sausalito from uh, Marin Municipal Water District. One goes along the bike path. Um, I've asked Michelle about the sea level rise and possible implications of that. The other one uh, goes even to the top of Donahue, goes to that very big, huge tank up on the top of Donahue. Um, I asked the engineer for the water district about what kind of shape that pipe is in, that, that single pipe that comes into Sausalito. And of course, you cannot get a water agency or water manager to say, oh yeah, that pipe is screwed. Um, I mean, they just won't do it, right? I mean, they just won't say. There is, however, a pipe that comes into Mill Valley and does Sausalito, Tiburon, Mill Valley, Town Valley, etc. that goes on the top of the Alto Tunnel, and they're replacing that in a couple of years. Apparently, that's not in good shape, which doesn't exactly work well for us or for, uh, for Mill Valley. Um, so in terms of we're thinking about emergency water, um, uh, and David is the one who, who noted this, um, wells in um, Sausalito. We, we do have wells in Sausalito. Um, Michelle looked into what the county has, and the county um, 
their registration only goes back to 1970, so it doesn't include the well that's on the Willow Creek school site. It doesn't include the capped wells that are in Whiskey Springs and the Willows. It doesn't include um, the wells that uh, friends of mine have, a friend of mine has, and Old Town. So there's a lot that it doesn't include. Um, so when Michelle gets back, we'll try to yeah. figure out that one. Yeah. That one's kind of. Um, in terms of bringing creeks back to life, we just had a great fun looking at this map, maps, um, and there, we knew this, but now we really know this. There are so many perennial streams in Sausalito. As David said, I don't know what the hell the city fathers and mothers were thinking of 100 years ago, just sticking them all in pipes. Um, there is one creek that we're taking a little closer look at that runs behind Langendorf Park and seems to be daylighted like all creeks until they get to Bridgeway, right? Yeah, it's just like, it comes out say goodbye. Right by 7-Eleven and it goes under right there. So David, do you want to rattle off the benefits, the resilient community benefits of having flowing creeks? Oh, there's many, um, but I think, you know, ultimately there's an opportunity for, for repairing and restoration biodiversity, also stormwater management. Um, there's the opportunity for just general good good citizenship around it's nice to have daylight streams and the park setting around them. Most of them are closed off. Most of them are un, unapproachable for whatever reason, um, probably liability or maintenance or who knows. Um, but they're out there and they're all over the place. and. They're in people's backyards, they're in people's side yards, and they kind of just wander all over. And many of them are, are you know, perennials and annuals. There's one on my street that runs pretty much constantly and then gets tunneled underneath Spring Street and then Lord knows where it goes. Um, I went and looked at some of the outflows, and a lot of these streams are, are either um, put in pipes or culverted or what have you, and they all exit into Richardson Bay, but it's a concentrated exit. And what we do know is that when there's concentration, all of that nutrient load goes into the bay and then sediment profiles and whatever else. And you have a system that um, is self-cleansing, but takes a lot of stress off that effluent. Of course, into a bay like we have, which is a habitat, and there's a lot of effort to try and do some work there. So there are just, a myriad of benefits to it. Um, not that, that every street should be every street, every spring should be daylighted, but we do have existing resources here, and many of them are in and around the old sidewalks or in and around the old sort of uh, public throughways or public right-of-ways. So I think the goal for us is to sort of highlight some of these and figure out where the really good ones are and then what the community mm -hmm. benefits are and see if we can get some support around. I mean, listening to Oscar, if he could do repairing and restoration around some of these mm -hmm. that are pertinent to a public park or or, mm -hmm. or any type of a, a public access, stairways, what have you, it's a great little feature. And people really, in my experience, and having worked in tourist communities in the past, these are the things that people really like to see. Mm -hmm. And when they're closed off, fenced off, locked off, it's a waste of resource. Yeah. Uh, besides the fact that it's also we're in an area where a lot of wildlife rely on this side of the of the um, Golden Gate National Refuse. In other words, the the, 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 um, 
the mountainous areas don't have a lot of natural springs. And it's fairly well known that those animals come across Wolfback Ridge mm -hmm. or other ways trying to avoid getting killed so that they can get water. There's a lot of water on this side. There's no water on that side, on the western mm -hmm. side. And there's a website. Um, many years ago, there was a, a, a natural biologist who was tracking the animals and tracked just an incredibly diverse range of species that migrate over to get water and then migrate back. Because this side of the, the mountains was always much wetter than that side, as you would know, fog comes over, traps, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So that's, those patterns are still in place. It was one of the reasons Cypress Ridge was put in place, so it's to create some wildlife borders. Um, there's camera traps all over Wolfpack Ridge that, that, um, that overpass that goes up to the private properties up there. And they've been tracking behind where I live for years. And there's everything. There's fox, there's coyotes, there's deer, of course, there's deer, there's deer everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, um, I could probably yeah, find it. it around, so yeah, it's, cool. it's a nonprofit. And this woman did a, like a decade of study on animal population mm -hmm. and how they move around mm -hmm. the, the, the headlands. Um, but there really are very few sources of fresh water on the east side. So many of them come over here. Mm -hmm. So we're uh, we're uh, uh, daunted, but excited. That's fantastic. There's a ton of water resources here. Yeah, and the maps are there. Yeah, and this well thing is really interesting. There's yeah places peppered with wells. The the, so. the concern about you know all the climate stuff and having more drought, like just knowing we can we can have a plan to have our own water would be really great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean we we weren't even thinking of like, you know, turn on uh, you know, turn on the faucet, always have potable water coming out. You know, the first step is emergency water. Yeah. And as David pointed out, it's a lot be a lot easier to hook up some kind of filtration system to an existing well um, than it would be to yeah. a stream. Um, so yeah, it's um, you know I was thinking you know about uh, what Oscar was talking about, and I, I I assume that they're just putting potable water on landscaping in South Salido. I assume so. Um, and gee, wouldn't it be nice if he had some he had some options in terms of what kind of uh, what kind of water? Um, and and I must say I am a little concerned about the water agency's pipes because they aren't overall throughout the whole system they are not in good shape mm -hmm. and they just don't they're they they're so backlogged on maintenance that um anyway it's just a little worrisome okay. so i guess we should figure out that well well thing soon yeah right? so yeah. let me revisit i mean wells are tough because wells are tough yeah you know, they don't really keep the records of them they're on private property a lot of them have, we're hoping but, to find but, some on city property but the low hanging fruit right yeah right yeah. yep so. All right. And then, you know, there, there are there are some of these these open riparian areas that we could look at. And the easiest one is right behind Langendorf Park. I mean, it's a it's it's a very well established um, stream system. Mm -hmm. There's this old staircases that were part of the city property, and the whole thing is fenced off with blocks on it. So, <laughs> you know, something must have happened. So there's an inquiry there because there are other stairs throughout the city that are thoroughways for public access. This is a kind of cool one. It's right behind 
I'm sure there's safety issues, and I'm sure there's all kinds of other issues there, but it's a really good one. And Oscar's already recrafted the whole front of Lincoln with his magic you know, fairy dust, and it looks great. And that's a pretty big system that comes out at 7-Eleven, but it goes all the way up to um, Marine Water's big tank. Mm -hmm. That's where that pump house is. So that's a complete system that mm. is, is probably all twisted yeah. up in politics. It's not, it's things. not, uh, Marine Water said, we don't, that's just, those tanks and that pump station are there to pump water up the hill. Oh no, we don't have anything to do with the stream. But now she talked to the guy yeah. who is, who, that's part of his bailiwick for the agency. And he said, no, no, no stream, but there is a ditch on the property. So you and I need to walk up there and see, <laughs> uh, obviously, whatever it is, the stream comes out of um, the side of the hill yeah. at, at, at some point. So I wanted to add one more uh, reference was is the Marin County Stormwater Pollution Prevention Thank you for Program. sending me that. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to take a look at and, look at yet. And just yeah. a minute ago, after Lauren's inquiry about landscapers and uh, native plants, I sent you and you an excerpt out of one of their documents that has a whole list of native plant uh, nurseries and contractors that, that do that work. Great. A lot of them are uh, like uh, Petaluma, Sebastopol. Yeah. But uh, yeah. They are, they do exist in this area. Okay. The Marine chapter of the Native Plant Society is doing a native plant sale. You do an annual one. I think it's upcoming on like October 12th. Mm -hmm. We have a great native plant nursery right there at Tam Junction. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but, but to get the kind of volume, obviously, those guys would know where to get them. These contractors would know where to get the volume. Right. For Lawrence Slope. The lower place. <laughs> yeah. That the coyotes put in who are looking for water again. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. It's all happening, right? <laughs> 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 it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The dog thinks it's cool too. This cell sounds great in terms of working. I know it's complicated, but it's like an yeah. opportunity too. So, but, but not only complicated if you look at it as an entirety. Yeah. If you just like pick out a yeah. few really easy cool like city owned or appurtenant right. to city or some kind of cooperative then it starts to kind of build that story and there's there are probably two or three or four of those that we can nice. look at nice. okay. um, so when our our fearless <laughs> co-patriot returns from wherever she is we'll keep going at it that's awesome um Okay, energy uh, electrification is the headline, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I know it's getting late. Um, I do have some territory to cover, so please bear with me. Um, first of all, as you know, what we've been working on so far is just related to new construction. Uh, right. And uh, hopefully, as noted earlier, uh, Melissa is going to take this to city council before the end of the year. Uh, one thing I want to point out is that since the county adopted uh, the, uh, the new 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 construction requirements, that Marin City is under those uh, those requirements. So they have a higher standard in Marin City. Any new construction that happens there than we do here in Sausalito. That's so, a sad statement. It, it is, and it's you know uh, Marin County uh, requirements apply to all the unincorporated areas in, in the county. 
And of course, there are seven of the 12 other jurisdictions that have adopted various ways of new construction, uh, electrification, but we're, we're not one of those yet. So hopefully we'll get on board. Uh, Greg did forward uh, an interesting announcement that, that uh, local officials, 26 local government leaders in California, including those from major cities of San Francisco, LA, and San Jose are calling on government, Governor Gavin Newsom to urgently pursue statewide standards requiring new buildings to be all electric rather than burn fossil fuels. Uh, local leaders sent a letter to Newsom pointing to significant challenges caused by the April Federal Appeals Court decision to overturn Berkeley's first of the nation ban on gas hookups in new construction. And saying, the letter states that Newsom must step in with a unified state standard. Otherwise, many municipalities will be forced to backtrack on progress, cutting emissions from buildings due to insufficient resources to fight frivolous and opportunistic lawsuits. So hopefully, if we don't pass something, we'll get swept up in the rest of the state sooner than the next building for the cycle. Uh, if Newsom chooses to take action on it. Uh, what I wanted to cover today was um, this county has embarked on a, not a plan, but a roadmap toward a plan for electrification countywide. Not just new construction, but everything, uh, including vehicles and uh, buildings and appliances. Uh, and I'd I have a PowerPoint that I would like to run through as quickly as I can for you. Uh, the uh, this this is the, the from the, the Bring Climate and Energy Partnership. We've seen this before uh, as of 2020. That, that shows that uh, passenger vehicles are obviously the largest component of the emissions. And but what we're focused on here is natural gas, both residential and non-residential. When I say non-residential, that really means commercial and industrial. Uh, uh, uses of natural gas. Uh, so next slide. Uh, I thought this was very interesting showing the, the natural gas emissions as a percent of community-wide emissions. And uh, if you look at Sausalito, we are, we have 28% of our emissions are from natural gas, 18% uh, in residential and 10% in non-residential. Non and uh, one of the things that stuck out to me is that Ross and Belvedere have a much higher per percent of basically building-related emissions. And in my mind, my, my synthesis of that is that those two communities are not real big commuter communities. They don't have as much vehicle traffic going on in and out of those communities. And I think that their building-related emissions are much higher because of that as a percentage. Um, so. Um, They've got huge houses. I was going to say, they also have really big houses. <laughs> 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 That's right. Okay, next slide. <laughs> so, Marin County, Mer no, go back, please. The, the Climate Energy Partnership put together uh, a building analysis for all 12 jurisdictions in the county. And I'm just going to share Sausalito's with you, but it's quite uh, an amazing set of statistics and, and, uh, that they've come up with. Okay, next. Uh, the data sources are not like, they don't go through and take a poll of every city or, or I mean every house or every business, but they've used these three um, data bases from the U.S. Census Bureau, Department of Finance, 
and California residential appliance saturation survey. And the numbers provided in this estimate, uh, analysis are estimates only, and I, please keep that in mind. It's not a, 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 a definitive um, uh, result of, of, of what's actually happening here in Sausalito, but I think it's, it, it, when, when you look at it, you'll agree that it, it's very uh, illustrative of, of the general, uh, uh, what's going on. So next, please. Um, Again, we're talking about over 20,000 machines in Sausalito that need to be replaced. And by machines, we're talking about uh, vehicles, uh, appliances, uh, and you see down at the bottom, the 18% of uh, residential and 10% of non-residential or commercial water uh, uh, commercial uses. Uh, three and a half thousand uh, space heaters, 3.4 thousand water heaters, et cetera. Uh, need to be replaced, uh, you know, over the next 10 to 20 years, uh, something like that. Uh, uh, this plan is going to take effect uh, next. Um, they did a, a study of tenure by housing type, and uh, the uh, Sausalito has over 4,000 housing units. Uh, almost 60 percent are single family, and 80 percent of those are owner occupied. 77% uh, of multifamily homes are rented. Uh, next. Uh, then they did the vintage by housing type. So houses built, well, the vast majority of houses were in Sausalito were built before 1979. Mm -hmm. uh, I circled this uh, 1980 and 1999, uh, and we'll get to that again in a minute. But uh, the older houses to the left uh, of the left arrow, uh, almost all of those have, you know, uh, minimum electrical capacity, and their electrical panel would probably need to be replaced for uh, in the majority of homes in Sausalito in order to electrify. Uh, from since 1980, most houses have had, have uh, been built with a 200 amp service, which would probably be adequate for a lot of uh, electrification needs. Uh, over on the right, you know, the even newer ones, maybe some of them have an AC or air conditioning already and or instantaneous gas water heaters, both of which, uh, as you'll see in a minute, are kind of detriments to further uh, electrification. But the sweet spot of 1980 to 1999 uh, 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 is, is what we're going to be focusing on here. Next. I'm not going to spend any time on this, but there's just another breakdown of uh, water heating, space heating, cooking, and Sausalito, the number and the percentage of, of uh, appliances in each. Next. Um, and then if you look at the gas consumption by end use, water heating by far the largest. You know, space heating, we don't, we have a fairly mild climate here. We don't really need our, our furnaces and our air conditioners all that much. Uh, but water heating is the big use for, uh, for, for natural gas or for fossil, fossil gas, I should say, uh, methane gas in, in Sausalito. Next. So as a summary, 28% uh, of emissions come from uh, gas. We've talked about that. 64% of gas emissions come from residential buildings. Uh, and that, that over 20,000 machines need to be to be retrofitted to meet our climate reduction targets. Next, uh, 
again, 57% of the building stocks comprise single family, uh, 87% of the houses were built before 1980, um, and uh, which would probably require uh, upgrading of their electrical panel. Uh, the, the, the houses that were built after 2000, uh, you know, maybe they already had air conditioning, but eliminates some of the benefits of switching to heat pump heating system because you get heating and cooling. You already have cooling, you might be less likely to, to, to convert. And it, a lot of the newer houses have instantaneous hot water systems, which are relatively small in size, which uh, in, in which case they might not have room for a larger heat pump water heater. Uh, next. So as a, the sweet spot then for electrification opportunities, uh, at least for the, in our first stages, maybe the 460 homes built uh, in this uh, window, 20 year window, uh, because these homes are more likely to have sufficient electrical service and aging appliances in need of replacement. And 90% of those are single family home and are owner occupied. So study suggests Sausalito efforts should be focused on retrofitting water retrofitting water heaters first. And when you say 460 homes, we don't know which homes those are. These are based on those national and statewide statistics of appliance saturation and, and, and census data. So you know, it's, it's uh, est these are, est again, estimates only, but I think it's a great way to analyze a community. And this has been done for every one of the 12 jurisdictions in the county. So each one of them has different uh, outcome, but I just wanted to share with you uh, the, the the outcome of, of the, this uh, study done by uh, NCEP. That's it. Your that final sweet spot provides a very easy nexus for potential outreach. Do you? I'm seeing a headline. Do you own a house that was built in 1980 and 2000? If so, right here. If so, the city has gotten a grant to help you pay for this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's who's paying for this is my question. I mean, this is this is really interesting and all of that, but but um, the assumption that 20 we're just okay, let's go, let's to meet our goals. The, the city has made the goal, the community is part of the city, but. I mean, this is just. Are there are there the, grant the, programs? Well, the, 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 the county is, is, is they're they're making they're putting together this roadmap. They, we have one workshop so far, yeah, yeah. Okay. and this is part of the result. Of that. The funding but, options or opportunities will be part of what comes out. There's yeah. so, more yeah. steps so, to go. I'm just giving you the flavor of what's happened so right. far. Okay. So yeah, so that would be my that what that yeah. was was my like. If that comes in my inbox without that, that's what it is. So, so I, as outreach committee, my vote would be sure one day we could do and that. The, the Inflation Reduction Act has significant rebates and subsidies, mm -hmm. not just for homeowners, but for renters as well. And that they're just yeah. rolling out now. We're, you yeah. know, people are trying to understand the rules in there. You know, you can save thousands and thousands of dollars. But that would be really powerful to have that information yeah. all lined up and here you go and yeah, press sure. this button and go sure. here and do it yeah. by this date to yeah. get it 
and here's what happens in Target. That's Electrify that's America that's has a good website for that. You can yeah. you can dial yeah. in your people want to know local. They want to know local. Where do I, homeowner in Sausalito, where do I go to get this grant? I mean, I think focusing on water heaters when it's such an obvious, it's such an obvious piece of the pie, and and you know picking your picking your battles. That's that's an easy thing there, right? Because who, who can argue with with that, right? And it doesn't mean they have to go and swap out everything out. Yeah, and like if you recall, a few meetings back, we had a presentation by Susan Gladwin mm -hmm. from Mo Valley, who's starting this ready, set, replace yeah. uh, startup, mm -hmm. focusing on water heaters and how to get a community engaged in in that direction. So are those so the because we have some of the, the subtle um, marketing collateral. And now the IRA stuff is available for that, right? So I wonder if we table on the 21st, that would be some to bring those flyers back out and then also have it with and pair that, because that was last summer that we did that tabling. Pairing that with maybe we reach back out to Susan, you know, does she have another flyer that could go with that to say, here's how you go get it? Because that's mm -hmm. much more interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. I, think yep. I, yep. I think we're dying on the vine here, Greg. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, this is all going to keep progressing. And Great. We're gonna, we're gonna I mean, this is to, yeah, really straight. cool yeah. to see the way this is Wish we could do the same thing as water supply in the county. Um, thank you, Mark. Uh, I don't have anything on transportation. I forgot to get uh, an update from Molly on the charger. You know, you have any case so I'll, I'll do that. Um, future agenda items, as mentioned, we're going to have nomination for the next chair and vice chair in the December meeting. Um, and anything else? We good? I want to let you kind of talk about fireworks. Oh, yeah. Uh, laser fireworks. I'll have information by now. Okay. okay. And what are we going to do for water, David? We'll take us to go. We can be convened outside of this. Yeah, one. yeah, definitely. But do you have any idea of what we would take to the December meeting? Not until we get some clear. Yeah, okay. Time. And that can be part of obviously the subcommittee. So okay. Doesn't change the agenda. I would, I would love to know if we can find the right person what other municipalities are doing to enforce the the, the ban on gas fired um, landscaping equipment. And, and I, I don't know. I wouldn't, know, wouldn't even know where to start. It's just been so long since we did that. I don't remember. I know. I'm sure we had the research yeah, at the did. time. Yeah, you know, I seem to recall San Antonio and Fairfax, maybe have some other website. They all must have something going. I just don't yeah, have it in the report. We have enforcement in that. It's, in it's in there. So I also want to poke around in, I guess I know nothing about this, but I would really love it if Sasuo had some kind of ordinance that said just in purchasing requirements that purchased, you know, required to purchase X number of native plants in the landscaping budget, whatever that looks like. I have no idea. 
Um, but maybe that's something that the California Native Plant Society has some kind of template on. I will put that on my list. On October 10th, I'm going to be joining the Women's Club to visit the composting facility in Richmond. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else want to go? I'm sure you've all been. <laughs> and, uh, it's fun. And then on December 5th, they're touring Heath Ceramics. I know there's been interest in touring Heath Ceramics. Um, so if we wanted to combine with them to make it really easy for scheduling, we could do that um, if there's interest. If not, I can just post it on that. Yeah. Because I know I missed the I missed it. Yeah. 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 Yeah.